And my favorite thing to do on the planet, I did not, but my favorite thing to do on the planet is to sit down and, and have deep, long conversations with the people I love and, and friends in my life about the things that we, um, we don't have the answers to or um, things that we have preconceived notions around or biases around and why that's the case and, and really getting to understand if that's truly our beliefs or if it's just an unconscious bias or an unconscious belief given society, given what we were brought up with. Um, and this is something that I have been deeply working on for myself. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 77 of the pod. Today, uh, we are doing something super special and that I haven't done in a while. Um, and that is a Q&A slash ask me anything situation. I've been really wanting to get you guys more personally involved in the podcast content. Um, and this I thought was a really fun way to do this. And you guys had some really fucking awesome questions. So I'm feeling like I'm going to have to do more of these because I couldn't get to all of the ones. Um, well, at least I don't think I'll be able to. We'll see. Um, on today's episode. Um, but first of all, I hope you guys are having a beautiful week. If you're listening to this in real time, it is American Thanksgiving week. Um, actually, today is actually Thanksgiving, <laughs> as you are listening to this, if you're listening to this in real time. So I hope this is, you're using this as an opportunity to uh, take time for you amidst the uh, craziness that can be today or the stress that can often be today too. Um, use this opportunity to maybe get your butt up and go for a walk, um, just clear the air and have you know 20 minutes of you time because you fucking deserve that. <laughs> Um, we all deserve that, especially as we come into the holidays. I feel like the holidays are such a beautiful time, but also can be the most stress-centric time. And um, if there's anything that I teach on most or believe the most, it's that stress can be the number one um, pay- cause for chronic pain, um, illness, uh, and and lots of anxiety and mental health problems. So um, just take this time for you. Um, and I hope you guys are just really, really soaking in the gratitude. I know it can be a time of year for that. Um, and I feel like so often we forget to do that throughout the rest of the year. Um, and I think the word gratitude gets thrown around a lot. So I wanted to actually start with a question I got, which is how do I cultivate gratitude on the daily? Um, and I feel like this has become such a like super trendy thing to talk about. Gratitude, practice gratitude. But what does that even fucking really mean, right? And I know for me, when I started wanting to incorporate a gratitude practice into my life and specifically into my morning magic time, I didn't really know what that meant or what it could look like. And at first it felt kind of like I don't know, lame. Like it just didn't feel like it was actually doing anything for me. Um, and I, I really wanted it to 
quote, work and like make me feel so much better about myself and all of this good stuff. Um, P.S. If you want to learn more about my morning rituals, um, make sure you check out episode 67. If you, yeah, episode 67. It's one of my Live Your, Your Fuck Yes Life pep talk series and it's all about my morning ritual system. But, anyways, cultivating gratitude for me at first, it was like, okay, I'm going to just write three things I'm grateful for, right? That's the thing you hear over and over again. And yes, that is helpful, especially when you start your day focusing on what is going well, right? So often we turn, uh, you know, turn off our alarms and usually those are on our phones and then we immediately flip to email and I'm, you know, I, I have to like really check myself to not do this, but we immediately flip to email or Instagram or Facebook and we see news articles, whatever. And instead of like focusing on what is good and focusing on our personal thoughts, we immediately become inundated with external stimuli. And a lot of that external stimuli can be stress-inducing or frustrating or whatever the fuck. And starting our days like that, you know, the way that we spend the first 20 minutes of our day significantly impact the way that we feel for the rest of the day. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel like shit all day. <laughs> so, um, so cultivating gratitude and, and, and practicing those three things, even just like saying them out loud or writing them down was, was a really helpful thing, but I'm going to add a layer to that. And this is actually a tool that I also talk about in, um, my book, which is coming out next week. Um, and it's called, it's a practice called future gratitudes. And so not only do I write down three things that I'm grateful for, um, in the moment. And it can be as simple as like loose leaf tea or my pre-workout that's getting my butt up at like 6 a.m. or whatever the fuck. Um, but I then do uh, three things in my future gratitudes. And I talk about what this looks like in specificity in the book um, and give some really concrete examples. But basically what it is is you focusing on something that you really want to cultivate in your life and you're acting as if it's already happened, right? Think of it as um, you being like an actor in your life, right? It's all about acting as if. Um, And you, you know, uh, say you are really working on uh, healing your relationship with food, okay? This was something that I was really, really focusing on a few years ago because I was knee deep in my binge eating disorder and just really struggling in that capacity, really struggling to feel good about myself, struggling with my body dysmorphia. And I wish I'd had this tool at the time, right? But you could use, you could say something like, I am so grateful that I have done the work and hired a coach to really help me hone in, um, positive coping mechanisms and tools to support myself in healing from my binge eating disorder and my body dysmorphia. And it can be as simple as that. And and putting it into the universe, right? You are cultivating and, and, and bringing in the stuff that you want, um, the stuff that you are, are dedicating to accomplishing or um, manifesting or creating for yourself, right? Um, it's so important to focus on the now, but it's also important to um, – to act as if we are already where we want to be because that only gets us one step closer um, instead of constantly looking at it from a lack perspective. So that is my gratitude practice in the morning. And it really takes me five minutes to do. Um, and so adding that um, as an extra tool to your toolbox will really, I think, spice it up. Okay. The next one um, is all about, there are actually two questions about my um my surgery or BRCA. And these are really interesting ones. One I've talked about a little bit and the other one I haven't talked about at all. So I'm excited. So the first question is, did I choose to get implants after surgery? 
So the short answer is yes, I did. The long answer, which you know I'm going to give you the dirty deeds for, um, is that this was a really hard decision for me. So I am very much of the belief that being um, wellness is so huge and so important to me. And when I first started looking at my options, um, when I was, you know, gearing up for surgery, I knew that I had the option. Well, I had a few options, or at least there are a few options. I had the option to do what I did, which is, um, you know, have implants. Um, and and again, I want to also just specify, because I have a few people ask me this um, as part of the Q&A too. Um, it, it's not a boob job. It's not even close to a boob job. I, I amputated my boobs. <laughs> um, and um, I, I laugh, but it's really not funny, right? Like it's it's genuinely, um, was it, it's not fun. And it's, it was not a choice. I mean, it was a choice that I am so grateful I had um, to eliminate, you know, the risk of cancer or breast cancer from my life. Um, but it's not something I just like really wanted to do and casually opted to do. Um, so yeah, super different. But anyways, um, so that was an option. Another option is something called a DEP flap, which um, what basically what you can do is um, this your surgeon will take um, fat from other parts of your body and basically transmit that fat into your breast tissue once the um, once the original tissue has been removed. So this eliminates the risk um, and allows you to have more of a quote natural um, experience. Or you can just choose to go completely flat and not do reconstruction at all. Um, and to be honest, I had considered all of these. Um, I kind of loved the idea of going flat. Um, I was worried about how that would uh, bring up some fears of mine, a lot of those which I dive into in the book at length. Um, but because of my career as a performer, I knew that, especially given my age, I'm only currently, as I speak to you right now, I'm 28 years old, um, and I was getting the surgery before my 28th year <laughs> birthday, and I was like, there's you know, if I want to be successful in my career, the reality of it is that that's just not going to be um, a decision that really aligns with that. And so for me, that was out. Um, and I actually really wanted to go through with the DF flap. Um, I wanted the more, quote, again, natural approach. Um, but because I am in shape and just didn't have enough fat on my body, I wasn't a candidate for that. Um, and so I went the implant route and I was, you know, I really struggled with that choice for a while. I struggled with it because I, I just, the idea of having something foreign in my body, I mean, I have an IUD, um, so I guess I already do, but I just, I, you know, I didn't, and there's also been this like breast plant, uh, breast implant illness trend going around, which, you know, is totally fair. And I know that this is a piece of people's stories, but it's also, you know, I, I think there's a lot of fear around that piece. And, and it became something that caused me to have a lot of fear around that um, until I started doing research and getting educated on it um, and really making sure I was making, because um, there's so many implants you can choose. Um, and so it's really important to do your research and make sure you're getting ones that are really aligned with your, with your mission and your personal values and, um, and that you're making choices that feel really good for you. And this was the best decision for me. Um, and so that is the long answer <laughs> to that question. The second question around this is, did getting my mastectomy or having BRCA change my relationship? 
And I've never been asked this question before. Um, and it was interesting. Um, Kevin and I took a, um, well, overall, it was 18 hours in the car, <laughs> but we drove up to Canada to visit my family last week. Um, and I asked him about this when I got this question. And it was really cool to have a conversation around this. And I genuinely think that relationships are constantly changing and growing. And I personally believe that if we're not growing, we're dying. Um, growth is like the most important, one of the most important things to me in my life. And so if my relationship hadn't changed in the last year, I would be very surprised um, just because I think, you know, we're constantly evolving and, and that's something that Kevin and I really value deeply in our relationship. Um, but yeah, and it changed beyond just like the typical we're going through life change, you know? And um, I think that when you are faced with decisions and also diagnoses in a way um, that really cause you to take a hard look at your life and the path you're leading and what you want and what's important, uh, it allows you to get really, really honest with yourself. Um, and that was a really big, um, through line of this year in my relationship, um, and in my marriage, it was, um, it was impactful in the sense that, uh, it ha- it it caused me to you know getting um finding out about having the BRCA one gene was a huge impetus for me starting therapy, which has been in and of itself hugely transformational for me, and thus hugely transformational for my marriage. Um, because there's just been so much inner work that I've been doing that has really given me the ability to understand myself more, which then has given me the ability to bring that to my relationship and for us to learn about one another. Um, also going through this, um, really taught me and Kev to be way more upfront and honest about what we need and express that in a kind and, um, compassionate way. I think that, a lot of the time, and, and this is something that I think has probably been our biggest takeaway um, that we both have experienced, um, and I can speak for him because I know he feels this deeply, is that, you know, I think so often we are taught to uh, just be there for other people all the time. And we suppress our own needs or our own desires because we're scared um, to be vulnerable in that way. And also because we just want the other person to love us and we want to be there for them. But when we don't honor what we need or what we want, then we can't truly be there. And I think that Kevin and I had both gotten into a pattern of just being there for the other person and making a lot of assumptions about what the other person needed and having something like this really forced us and jump-started us having to um, take action around um, just really being honest with each other about, hey, these are my needs right now. Um, and asking questions like, how can I support you through this? And how can I, you know, whatever, X, Y, and Z. <laughs> so that was a big shift. Um, and also, I would just say that like, <laughs> I hope you can hear Toby in the back. <laughs> He's having a nap and then he just woke up. Um but I, I think that the uh, yeah I think the biggest change overall has been just deeper communication, um, 
and, and communication in a significantly more effective way. We've always been really good communicators and really um, prided ourselves on that. Um, but going through something traumatic like this, especially when it's one person who's knee deep in, in one capacity and another person who's on the outside, but not really, um, it really takes a lot a lot of communication and a lot of, um, a lot of deciding to show up for one another and through, through trauma. Um, and so that's been a really big piece. Um, it's also, I think the catalyst for, uh, the changes that have happened in our life. Um, you know, we've been going through a lot of shifts. Kev left his, um, full-time job in May. And, um, you know, it's just kind of given us this whole new sense of like, why are we, why are we living lives that, if we're living life that doesn't make sense for us in one capacity, let's explore that. Let's ask questions around that and let's make shifts accordingly. Um, and that was a really big one. And what allowed us to travel Europe for three weeks, um, this summer and, you know, just live life in a way that feels a lot more aligned and full. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's where my brain's at on that question, but I really love that question. So thank you for asking it. Um, also, a really fun, interesting question that I got, and I've been seeing um, a lot more people in the interwebs and um, on podcasts talk about this, and I love it. So I love that this is also a question I got. So the question is, loved the polyamory episode. Thank you. That I, I'm trying to think of which episode it was now. It was a long time ago. I'm pretty sure it was in season one. Oh, it's episode 35 with the Amazeballs, Dedeker Winston. Um, she uh, is one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Multi-Amory. And she and I had a really fascinating fucking conversation on this. So if you haven't listened to that, go back. That was from like last year in September, I think. Um, and the question is, did it pique your interest? So um, a little like background about how I kind of bring people onto the podcast Um I always, always bring people on um, who, A, are experts in what they are talking about, and B, who are talking about something that fi I find fascinating, because I just could never like actually um, talk to somebody about something that I didn't find interesting. And also, as you guys know, it is so imperative for me to have conversations around things that are often considered in society as taboo or um, just things that are not talked about or not considered enough. Um, and this is a topic that I know uh, so many people have very strong feelings around and also that there is not a lot of um, information about. I think it's becoming a little bit more public now. I've, I've been seeing it pop up in like news articles and stuff, but the concept of polyamory or any ethical non-monogamous experience, um, it, you know, has been like genuinely uh, not like a scene like and really open about it's starting to become more uh, common in the media um, and all that good stuff, which I think is great because there are so many different types of relationship models. And so, yes, it did pique my interest and my interest had been piqued around it before. Um, which is actually why I reached out to Dedeker to have her come on because I wanted to have a, a more in-depth conversation around a topic that um, I feel is really important to get out into the ether. Um, I think that for years um, I've been having conversations with my friends, with Kev, about this idea of you know uh, the nuclear family, monogamy, and just the way in which um, – the world 
operates. <laughs> and in my work on myself and also my work on showing up in in the personal development space and in the coaching space, I am constantly questioning right? Um, Kev got his degree in philosophy and my favorite thing to do on the planet, I did not, but my favorite thing to do on the planet is to sit down and, and have deep, long conversations with the people I love and, and friends in my life about the things that we, um, we don't have the answers to or, um, things that we have preconceived notions around or biases around and why that's the case. And, and really getting to understand if that's truly our beliefs or if it's just an unconscious bias or an unconscious belief given society, given what we were brought up with. Um, and this is something that I have been deeply working on for myself. And I think that the concept of monogamy is something that so many of us have just um, accepted as the only option, right? And I know for me, like that had been the way that I grew up or what I had seen. And, um, you know, when I started dating, like the concept of anything but a traditional monogamous heteronormative, to be honest, relationship was incredibly like not even in my brain. Like I just can't even consider it. Obviously, like I, I grew up in Toronto and so I was there like 10 years ahead when it comes to anything um, in in the LGBTQIA sphere or beyond. Um, and I, so I was around, I also, you know, grew up doing theater. So I was around um, a lot of that world and I had a lot of gay friends. Most of them were, I think all of them that were guys. Um, or at least male identified humans. Um, and so like I was, I was aware that that was an option or a possibility. Although even like the idea of being with a woman wasn't really something I was super, um, super well versed in as an, as a, as an option because I just didn't know any lesbians or any bisexuals or anyone like that. Um, and so, you know, obviously that's been a piece of my story this year, um, you know, coming out as bi and um, owning that piece of myself and that piece of my identity. Um, but, you know, I just think that what it has peaked and what I've been having so many incredible conversations around and exploring is just like, what do I believe and and why do I believe it, right? We've been taught as a society that, and, tr and tradition shows based on far of our lives, right, that the, quote, quote, correct way of living our lives is to date and find a partner. And um, once we have decided to be in a committed relationship with that person, that we no longer see other people, we no longer have any, you know, sexual relationships with anyone else, and we are, um, you know, then we, you know, be, get engaged, move, we move in together, then get engaged, get married, have babies, be with that person forever, monogamously, and then die, right? And that's what is a, quote, successful relationship. And I think that, and we talk about this, I, I believe in the, in the episode with Dedeker about this concept, it's called the relationship escalator. And, and I think it's so fascinating. It's like, is that what we want? Is that, is that what you want? And, and I think that consciously choosing monogamy is a beautiful thing. Um, but I think most of us, um, unconsciously are choosing that path. And I think that what I love about this discussion, um, on polyamory and, and just any, um, any 
not, uh, you know, ethical non-monogamy options is that we have choices, right? As humans, we have choices and we don't have to put ourselves in a box if that's not where we feel we fit. Um, and I think that there are so many different um, ways that a relationship can look and be healthy. Um, and I think that that's a badass, incredible thing. And, um, I think asking yourself questions and doing and, and being educated around the options is a vital part of being a human being, right? It's a, it's like any topic, religion, politics, um, beyond, you know, I think that when we just arbitrarily are making an unconscious choice or belief system without really, really asking ourselves if that's what aligns with our personal values, we're doing a disservice to ourselves. So yeah. And I'm really glad you liked that episode. Thanks so much for listening. Maybe we should chat more about those things. Let me know if that would be fun for you guys and, um, interest peaking. Okay. And then the last question, um, is when is the book being released? So many of you guys ask questions about the book and I love it. And I'm just so excited that you guys are so pumped for it as pumped as I am. Jesus, like so excited. Um, and anyways, I, uh, the book is coming out next week. If you're listening to this in real time, December 3rd is the, it's the estimated launch with, So with the way that Amazon works, it can be a little tricky. So we're hoping to get it out for sure on the 3rd because that is the anniversary of my double mastectomy. Um, But expect it very, very fucking soon. Um, And I will be sure to update the show note links to once um, it officially goes live so that you can snack your copy. It's going to make a great stocking stuffer, a beautiful holiday read. It's funny. It's poignant. It's going to give you so many fucking tools in your toolbox to navigate fear and trauma and overwhelm and the craziness that is life. Um, and as always, it's going to be, you know, pretty fucking hilarious. I think <laughs> I've been, I've been being told from so many people who've gotten, um, the, you know, first draft and beyond, um, that it's like, it's like, what did they say? It's like Brene Brown meets Jensen Saro meets Pixar. So <laughs> if that tells you anything, um, but yeah, so that's all the deets on the book. So I can't wait to, to get it into your hands and thank you guys as always. Um, let me know if you guys like this episode, if you want to do more Q and A's, I'm really digging it and I'm really loving connecting with you guys on this level. So I really am so honored to be in your corner. I hope that you are getting out there and living your fuck yes life today. And until next week, I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.